Come on, let's honor him right now with our praise. We are so thankful. Would you lift your voice and exalt him tonight? We praise you. We praise you. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thankful to see you here on Thursday night. And what a beautiful day that it has been. Beautiful weather. I can handle this after the couple of days of nasty rain that we had this week. Please continue to pray for all those down, still without power. Um on the coast and in New Orleans, they're saying it could be up to a month before some of them are restored power. Aren't you thankful that you're not in the middle of that? I'm just, I'm grateful. I don't think anybody should have to be in the middle of it, but uh, I'm grateful that I'm not. If you're a guest here tonight, we greet you and we welcome you in the name of the Lord and we're thankful to have you here tonight. Um, to our children, um, no classes tonight. Um, I know it's the end time. <laughs> the gym floor is still, um, the five-day job has turned into uh, whatever thing else has turned into. So they had to pull a, uh, a big swath of the floor up. Uh, day before yesterday um, because I walked in and it was the concrete had not been leveled out and um, so they had to pull the floor up and grind the floor um, the concrete down and fix that and got it back down but there's still a good bit of ways and I'm telling I've been told that the lines are going down tomorrow um, but I was told they were going down Wednesday and then I was told they would be, you know, laying some of the lines out today. That didn't happen. Um, just like I was told that both sets of gym doors were going to be put in today. Um, and they got them sort of in. They're sort of in. Um, they had some problems with the panic bar on that. So if you want to know what the new doors of the gym will look like, just look at the ones on the back side here. They're supposed to be here tomorrow to finish installing. I'm hoping um, with a capital H that we will see some of the steel going up um, for the canopy tomorrow. Just, just put one column up for me, just one. Just put it there and, you know, I don't know put some twisty ties or something to stand it up, whatever you got to do, just put some steel up. Um, and um, But they are making progress. They are making progress. We lost two days this week to rain on that. So, um, but they, they are still moving around the building. I don't know if you noticed um, the new landscape out in the front. It took all of the landscape that had been there for, I don't know how long it had been there, maybe 18, 19 years, but it was way too mature. And um, I'm thankful for Brother Steve Schilt um, taking all that out. It was quite, quite the forest out there. And, uh, and then coming here yesterday to grind the stumps and get that done. 
and then they were here today and installed the landscape. So um, other than some paint out there to blend in the meter on the front of the building to match uh, the front of the building, the dark, kind of make it disappear as much as possible, uh, the front is close to being done. They have to take those lights out of the front and, and whatever, but that's, that's close. And we do have them set up uh, the first week of October to come in and put a brand new seal on the whole parking lot and uh, restripe it. And we are, we are praying that everything is done by that time so that um, everything will look brand new on the outside. And we're just thankful for your giving. And we appreciate your generosity and your sacrifice. And this has been quite the journey, but really, honestly, uh, not near as bad as it could have been. And we're just, we're just thankful the Lord has been good. A week from tonight, um, Brother Nate Roberts from North Carolina will be coming in, he and his wife, uh, working with our kids' team, Sister Ivana and all the team and all of you that signed up. We had a host of people sign up to help with our children's revival that is coming up. And um, that'll be next Thursday night. And Thursday night will be right here in the sanctuary. Uh, of course, I believe Friday will be too, Saturday, whatever. But Thursday night is, you know, we want everybody, we want everybody here. You can come any night. We'd like to have you come support every night. Uh, but for sure, be here on Thursday night. Don't, don't lay out. And um, we have about 250 flyers left that um, need to be handed out. So Sister Yvonne has those, and I'll just have her bring those up here as soon as service is over and put them up here. And please don't just, you know, grab a 100 of them and then put two of them out. Uh, we want you to put as many as you can out, but, but don't take a big stack of them and waste them. Um, but if you can help us to get those out, we would really, really appreciate that. We have seven days before that revival, and... We really need your help, so we appreciate that so very much. Uh, you can be seated, and Sunday morning and Sunday night, thank you, was um, we talked about souls, and, and we, talk about, we talked about church planting, and we did a little bit of housekeeping at the end, and... All of our directors are in the middle of scheduling uh, meetings with all of the leaders on their teams, um, just shoring up and tightening up our leadership team and kind of troubleshooting and reassessing where you are as a team and some things that you can do to improve your team and make Greater Faith a better place um, to be for guests and for members, and so we're thankful. We're thankful for that. And tonight, I, I want to do some teaching. Um, it's biblical, and it will apply to your individual life. It will also apply to us collectively as a church. I, I want to be the very best that we can be. I, I don't really think there's a whole lot that we can do to impress people uh, per se. I believe it's it's all about God and the attention, the focus has to be on Him completely, and the presence of God. You know, except except He draw them, and so forth. Uh, we need the drawing presence of the Lord and and the yoke breaking anointing of God when they come in this building. 
And so we're not here to impress, but, but we certainly don't want to drive people away either. And as much as I don't believe that we can do too much to impress, I do believe there's things that we can do to turn people off. And so, again, when people drive on our campus, I want this to be the greatest experience of their life. And then if they walk away from that, then uh, that'll be between them and Jesus. I want to read um, out of Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verses 13 through 16. Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house diverse measurements, a great and a small, but thou shalt have a perfect and just weight. Thou shalt have a perfect and just weight. A perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's an odd scripture, isn't it? You can't have a great and a small weight in the bag. And if you do, you're going to have problems. But if you, if you have a just and a perfect measure, he said, your days will be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It was a gift from God to the people of God. The land that was given to them was given as a personal gift by him. And he said, I'm giving you some, some issues here that directly tie back to stewardship. And to be a good steward of the land that I'm giving you, I need you to operate according to a, a set of parameters that, I, that I'm going to put in place. And verse 16 said, for all that... That do such things, if you have a just or if you have a, if you have a great and a small weight in the same bag, he said, all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. That's staggering to me. That's staggering to me. You say, well, that's, that's not New Testament. That's law, and I do get that. But what it, what it emphasizes to us is the nature of God. And his specificity about everything that he does. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the God of details. Everybody say the God of details. So when, when you examine the scripture, um, especially if you dig into um, the Hebrew text and you understand that, that every letter in Hebrew has a numerical value, it actually has three different values. And you understand that God put the word of God together, not only. And so I, I know that we believe that everything that is in the word of God is there on purpose. Every word of God is pure. Every word is there on purpose. And then uh, when you look at one part in the scripture, and I, I believe it may have been revelation, but, but he said if. If any man add to or take away from the words of this book, let him be accursed. And so the Lord doesn't, he doesn't mince words about bringing gray areas to the word of God or, or overlooking areas of the word of God that we think are not really that important. Uh, this is just kind of an insignificant area. It really is not relevant to me. It doesn't apply to me. And, 
And so I'm just going to kind of breeze past that. I don't really understand what it means anyway. And, uh, you know, I've got a King James Version Bible, and I haven't mastered the, the ye's and the thou's and the these and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's, that's not really an excuse. The Word of God is given to us. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the dividing of sunder of the joints and the spirit and the bone and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Every, every word of God that is spoken is there for a specific instruction. And what that tells me is that we cannot live a sloppy, haphazard, arbitrary life. We just can't, we just can't fumble our way through life and do, quote unquote, the best that we can. We're just, we're just doing the best that we can. No, we have the greatest instruction manual. And everything in this book is a word of life for us. And so even down to the measurements, the measure, the weight in the bag, when they were measuring certain things at the merchant counter, he said, you, you, can't, you can't cheat on that. That's, that's theft and that's robbery and that's stealing. If someone comes to you and they are purchasing something and you weigh that out, but you're using a bag that has small and great weights in it. The wrong kind of value is going to come out. And he said, because of that, you're an abomination. He said, you're stealing from my own people. And he said, I forbid you to do that. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verses 25 and 26, yet you say the way of the Lord is not equal. Here now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done shall he die. Basically saying you're going you're gonna to get exactly what's coming to you. If you live in iniquity and you live in sin, you're going to receive the punishment of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's that simple. God makes it so clear cut, so black and white, that, that you can't mistake it. The only people that mistake it are the people that are not actually looking for the truth. They're just looking to be right. And what I mean by right, they're looking to be right in their own eyes. They are defending something that somebody told them or something that they believe. And so... The longer I live for God, the more I realize how much I don't know about Him. And the longer I live for Him, the more I realize how much I'll fall short of the expectations of God. And, and so I'm thankful for the grace of God, the patience of God, giving me the time to grow into and to be discipled and to learn and to mature into the instructions that God has given to me. And so I, I want to look at the equality of God, the balance of God, the, the specific details of God. He is a God of detail. He, he doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Do you believe what I'm saying here tonight? And so Israel, in their debauchery and their falling away and their backslidings, they were saying to the Lord, the, the Lord is he's too hard. He's, he's unequal. He's, 
he's requiring things of us that, that are just not fair. It's, a, it's one way of saying that, but God, you're, you're not fair. I know people that have said that before. This is, you're not fair, God. This is not, this is not fair. And he said, he said I, I don't know why you're saying I'm the one that's unequal. You're the one that's unequal. And I've given you the law. And he said, if you'll live according to my laws and precepts, he said, I'm, I'm going to keep you in this land that I've given you because it is my precious gift to you. He said, I'm going to keep you healthy in your body. And he said, if something happens where you do get sick, he said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. I'm Jehovah Rapha. This is part of the covenant. I am establishing a covenant with you. And all I'm asking you to do is follow the instruction manual here. And, and don't try to make up the rules as you go along. I'm talking about the God of details tonight. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, the scripture said, Every good gift and every perfect gift. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everything that comes from God is good and perfect. It cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom, watch this, is no variableness. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Amplified says it like this, every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining of whom there can be no variation, neither rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. There is no shadow of his turning. There is no, now I'm not, now Brother Clark can probably talk about this better than I can, but I am not a student of algebra. Um, I did not get up in the morning at any grade in high school and say, I can't wait for algebra class. I didn't get up and say, I can't wait for trigonometry or calculus or chemistry or anything like that. I mean, I was not fired up about it. I didn't wake up at 5 in the morning with my textbooks in my lap saying, hurry up, school. You got to get here quick. I can't take the suspense anymore. But, but all of those mathematical classes are about working with variables. They're, they're about working with uncertainties. And they are about solving problems that in my mind, at some point in those classes, they just literally become unsolvable. I think they literally create these problems and there's somebody out there in the world that's sitting in a room behind a glass watching all of us struggle with these unsolvable problems and they're just laughing their heads off and say, hey, they can't be solved anyway and they just keep on trying. And sometimes we feel that way about about the Lord. And so we have to have something that is always certain. It's always constant. There's no variable with it. You're, God is not moody. You're, you're never going to go to him and God say, well, I'm just having a bad day. I'm just, I mean, my emotions are just down today. I just, I, just, I mean, things have been rough and uh, I'm struggling right now. You're never going to hear those words come out of God's mouth. You're, you're always going to find the constant of God and the consistency of God and the faithfulness of God. And so he gives us this benchmark and, and this, this constant in our lives so that we can tie ourselves to 
uh, and anchored to the unchanging hand of God. Now, when we do that, the Lord begins to order our lives. He is a God of order. There, there are some things that, that we find in the Bible. You could probably name 50 of them. But there are some words when you're talking about God that are always used. And there are some words that you will never find used in, in connection with God. One of these words is equal. We just read about it. God is always equal. There's, there's nothing in him that is unequal. The word perfect and perfection is always tied to God. Everything about him is perfect. Everything is perfect. Everything, everything in heaven will be perfect. But we're in the kingdom of God right now. And so the nature of God and the spirit of God, the presence of God inhabits the kingdom of God. And so there is a certain expectation that God has of us. When we are filled with his spirit, he is expecting us to be people of details, to care about the little things in life. You've heard it before. It's the little foxes that's, that spoil the vine. Narrow is a term that's, that you find connected with God a lot because he's not, he's not this ambiguous God out here. I know he transcends time and space and I get all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to walk in the path with God, it's not as wide as modern-day Christendom makes it out to be. It is a narrow path. It's a straight gate. Because he, he is very specific about what he, he requires. You find the word light tied to God. There's, there's nothing more perfect than light. There's, there's no darkness in it. It dispels all darkness. The word absolute is tied to God. He is, he's absolute. He is, he is never changing. He's never changing. He is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is omniscience. The word precise and precision is, is tied to God. Accurate. He is accurate. The accuracy of God. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and, and emphasize the fact that if, if I'm serious about living for God, I want to know every detail of what he expects of me. Now, he knows that I can't handle it all at one time. And so he gives it to me incrementally a little bit at the time. And my life begins to unfold as I am walking with him. And he orders my steps. Are you with me tonight? I, I'm, I'm not going to just go days and, and weeks without, without instruction from heaven and without that divine flow of God's spirit and presence in my life. I need him to be with me every second of every minute of every day, every hour. I need him to be with me. I need him conducting the areas of my life. Amen. We're going to make mistakes, but I don't prefer to make mistakes. He's a God of detail. I, I, I want the Lord to be specific with me about that. He's a great architect. I talked about this late Sunday night at the close of the service. He is the the great architect. Now, for those of you that don't care about architecture, this is probably a really boring title of God for you. Uh, for me, it's probably one of the most intriguing uh, parts of God. Uh, because when I, was, when I was in college, and I was, I was part of the, the era when things were changing over from hand drawing to AutoCAD. 
And so half of my classes were computer classes and half of them were um, hand drawing classes. And we'd, we'd put our, um, you know, vellum or mylar out there on the draftsman's table or whatever. And, you know, we had point three and point five and point seven pencils and all that kind of stuff. And we're, we're drawing. And the first two weeks of class was to learn how to draw a consistent line. Now, I can't put you in that classroom with me, but I still break out in hives over it because you have to, I don't, I don't know, it's not, you don't put the ruler there, put the, put the scale there, you know, whatever, and just draw a line. You don't, don't just do that. You look at it back here, it looks straight. But when the teacher takes a magnifying glass and looks at the line, he brings you over and says, Look at that line and tell me if it's straight or not. Yeah, it's going straight. Or it's, it's going straight across. Yes, it is going straight across, but your line is doing like this. It's fat in some areas and it's skinny in some areas. You're not rolling your pencil correctly. You don't just draw a line. You have to roll the pencil across the line. Two weeks, the first two weeks of class was learning how to draw a perfect line. Think about that in the mind of God. Do you think that God is any less detailed than that? You think that he is going to let the creature be more detailed than the creator. He has every area of our life measured out. He knows just how to roll his fingers when he's drawing the line across your life. He knows how to measure it. He knows what scales to put on you to make you stronger. He knows how much weight that you can handle He's, he's got everything calculated down to the nth of the nth of the nth degree. It's coming from the divine universe of God. We cannot live sloppy lives for God. We've got to be interested in everything that God is requiring and expecting of us. Oh, come on. Somebody help me teach here tonight. So everything has to be, everything has to be uh, precise. When you study the scripture, you, you find things in there. Uh, that that really are not really interesting. You know, it's like, okay, it's Thursday. I don't really want to hear about a cubit, um, you know, or a furlong or an ephah or a gira or a shekel or a talent. I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, what, why do I care about those measurements? Because God cares about them. Because God cares so much about measurements that he said, if you're a merchant and you put a small weight and a big weight in the same bag. You're a thief. I'm watching how you measure things. And I'm watching how you weigh things out in your life. That's not just a natural example. There is a spiritual typology in that. Basically, we learn from that. I'm watching how you judge people. I'm watching how you measure people. In one place... He said, why are you worried about the speck in somebody's eye when you can't even get the mote out of your own eye? He said, I, I'm watching your inequality here. I'm, I'm watching how you measure people. I, I'm watching how you treat people and how, how you handle your business. I am measuring your stewardship every day of your life. When you, when you look at the ark that Noah built, and we've, we've talked about this many times, and if I'm not mistaken, it was 150 cubits by 75 cubits by 50 cubits. If that was off, forgive me, Lord, I didn't 
look that up, but just uh, from memory, I'm, I'm saying that there. But the measurement of that ark, um, God knew exactly what he was going to put in the ark. You, you need to hear me what I'm about to say here tonight. God knew exactly what he was going to put in the ark. To Noah, he just knew God had spoken, okay, it's going to rain. I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like. I don't, I don't know all the details to it, but I've got enough of the details that I know the size of this contraption that I'm supposed to be building is somewhere along the way God's going to tell me exactly what I need to do. And I don't know where it was in the process. It might have been from the beginning, but I'm not even sure that Noah could completely comprehend two by two and seven, seven of the clean animals and all of that was going to go in this contraption that he was going to build and still have room for his eight, him and his uh, seven other family members but the Lord knew. The Lord measures things according to what he's going to use them for. That's why that you need to be concerned about your maturing process and your prayer life and your study disciplines and, and your attitude and everything in your life. I feel my help whether you feel it or not. You, you need to be concerned about everything that is going on in your relationship with God because God is building a vessel. He is creating something in you. He is forming you in his image because he knows what he's going to do through you. He knows what he is going to use me for. I don't understand why I've got to build it this way, God. I don't know why it has to be cut here, but that, that piece over there can be longer. I, God's saying, I'm not asking you to figure that out. I'm the God of details. I know why these have to join together here. I know why you have to assemble that before you assemble that because I'm not only the master architect, but I'm the master builder. I'm the general contractor. I'm the, I designed it all. I, I've done it all. And I am forming your life in an image uh, that can be used for the glory of my kingdom. And so what God is telling us here tonight, that every detail in your life matters. The direction, the footsteps that you take matter. My God, I'm going to preach here for just a moment. Every step that you take matters. Every direction you turn matters. There's nothing in your life that is not important. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. This box. The, ark, the word ark means box. This box that was built of acacia, shittim wood, and covered in gold, and two cherubim on the top, and this crown around the lid. He told him exactly what kind of wood to use, what to cover it in, what to put on the top, the sides, where to put the rings, how to carry it. But he told them exactly the measurements of this box, just like he did with the brazen labor, just like he did with the entire tabernacle. Why, why badger skins here, God? You don't worry about that. I'll worry about the details. Why are we covenant with that? Why does it have to be red? Why is the veil purple? Why are these things out here bronze and why are these gold? Because that's flesh and this is deity. Why God, he, he is so specific. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of God? The Lord is measuring. He's measuring. Are you here tonight? He's measuring every conversation. 
He can't do that. My Lord, the government's listening to you. Why are you worried about the Lord knowing? He, he, knows, your, he knows your thoughts. He's got every hair on your head numbered. That's, that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. If that's not important, why? I see some of you with less hair out, hair out there is like, God, will, God doesn't spend a whole lot of time counting on my behalf. But <laughs> I only said that because I saw somebody go. Don't worry, Brother Mike. I won't tell him it was you. So, the. <laughs> but he put it. He put it. <laughs> it's funny. I don't care who you are. He he put it. He put it in the Bible. This is what else he put in the Bible. He said, "My eyes on the sparrow." He said, Behold the lilies of the field, how they toll not. But he said, Aren't they arrayed more beauty than Solomon's kingdom? Every blade of grass, every leaf on every tree, every leaf that falls to the ground of every tree, everything in God's creation has a purpose. The measuring and the analysis of God and the all-seeing eye of God. All things are naked and open before the eyes of with whom we have to do. Every, everything is naked before him. That measuring, that divine unending analysis is the Lord working for our good. He's measuring our progress. Am I making sense here tonight? In Exodus chapter 38 and verse 24, the Bible said all the gold that was occupied for the work in all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, listen, was 29 talents and 730 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was a hundred talents and a thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen. That's a thousand seven hundred and seventy-five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. Look, look at how specific. The Lord knew that thousands of years in the future that you and I were going to be reading this passage of text. And to us, it seems to mean nothing. Now, I didn't dig into the different layers of those measurements and things tonight. But I bring it to your attention as one, as literally thousands of examples, of examples in the Scripture that tell us that God keeps record of the cost and the weight of the process. God knows what you've been through. God knows how long you've been in building. God knows what cost and what price you have paid. 
He knows everything about us. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 2, he said, For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, we know that we reap what we sow. So why, as human beings, do we have such a problem measuring out judgment to people? Or really, we don't measure it out. We just throw it out there as if nobody's listening, nobody will find out, and nobody cares. But there's a God in heaven that is weighing every word that we speak. See, I don't believe that. The Bible says that we will be judged for every idle word that we speak if you can take that out of the scripture let me know how you get that done he's a god of details so equal judgment for equal sin because the ways of the lord are equal now when you get into when you get into the numbers of scripture and i i love numbers i that I'm not crazy about algebra and all that stuff that I talked about earlier, but I love numbers. My brain works with, with numbers. And I love numbers in Scripture because what we know about God is that when he uses a number one time, whatever the context of where that number is used will be the same meaning all the way through Scripture. On the seventh day, God rested. Seven's a number of rest. Seven's a number of completion. Simple as that. It's not going to change whether it's Ezekiel, Isaiah, 1 Chronicles, Matthew, 1 Corinthians, Romans, Leviticus. It's not going to change. It's going to mean the same thing because he's, he's consistent. He's not, he's not flaky. People are flaky, but God is not flaky. you got seven days of creation. you got the seven final years. Um, before all of this is wrapped up in the Battle of Armageddon and all that kind of stuff, you got uh, the seven day warning that God gave to Noah before the coming flood. We have seven dispensations, we have seven trumpets, and the seven spirits of God that are mentioned in the Old and the New Testament, and the seven dimensions of water, the seven dimensions of spirit, the spirit in, in the scripture. Those are just a few examples. With five, you have fivefold ministry, you have five smooth stones. They they tie together. They tie together. The number three, the third day of resurrection, the third heaven, the three sections of the tabernacle. And you go all the way through scripture, and that number three has the same meaning with ten. Ten is the number of law, ten commandments, and the ten plagues that came upon Egypt. It means law and judgment. The twelve, twelve is the number of government, twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and the Nine, nine gifts of the Spirit, nine characteristics of the, of the fruit of the Spirit. So one is the number of uh, unity, and two is the number of agreement. Three is the number of perfect witness. Four is the number of creation. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Nine is the number of endings. Ten is the number of law. Twelve is the number of government. And you can go all the way through the Scripture and see how God used numbers to bring meaning to the message of the Word of God. Because in the Hebrew, it has, a, it has a numerical value and a spoken value. Did I lose you here tonight? He's a, he's a God of details. And he doesn't make mistakes. 
He doesn't, he doesn't make mistakes. He's exact in every way. And this applies to us as individuals and as a church. So how in the world can, can we lead without leading with a detailed-oriented goal in mind? Well, I, I'm just in this position in the church. It's not really a, a big deal. Of course it is. Everything's a big deal. When I come into this sanctuary, one of the first three or four things that I check is the position of the pulpit. Why? Because there are people out there that notice every little thing. I know who you are. And you look down and say, that pulpit is not aligned with the center of that part of the platform that's coming out. I see some of y'all looking to see if it's in line. I think it is. <laughs> Pretty sure it is. It is. I'm looking at the wall sconces. I'm checking the moods of people. I'm looking at people's expressions. I'm walking through the building. I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention to people's spirit. I'm paying attention to everything. When I drive on the parking lot, I'm watching the mood of people as I drive through the parking lot. I'm checking out the first parking attendant out there on the edge of the parking lot. I want to know, are they, are they enjoying what they're doing? Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are the greeters where they're supposed to be? Are our people at the door following the right instructions. I'm paying attention. If they're rehearsing, I come right into the building. I'm paying attention to the sound immediately. And may, I may only get 30 seconds of a glimpse of what the sound's going to be like in the service, but I'm paying attention because everything matters. Because people, because I'm going to tell you something. You, you heard the phrase, the devil's in the details. Tonight I'm preaching about the God of details. But there is a devil in the details. And there are people out there that don't have the spirit in order. And the devil will use any little thing to cause them to nitpick a church and turn them off and not want to come back in the building. Now, are we perfect? No. But that doesn't mean we're not striving for it. Have we gotten to a place where everything operates like a well-oiled machine? No, but that doesn't mean that we're not striving for it. So let me tell you something. When we come into the house of the Lord, this is the property of God. This property belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a microcosm of the kingdom of God. And when we come on this property, that's why I may not have the most expensive clothes in the building, but I want to wear the best clothes that I have when I come to the house of the Lord because he is a God of details. I want my shirt to be ironed. I want my socks to be clean. That's cool, huh? I want my suit to look okay. I've checked myself in the mirror. I want to make sure that things are not wrinkled because it's not pride. 
It is me understanding that this is the highest place on earth that I can come, the beloved house of the Lord. And I'm about to have an encounter with the most high God of heaven and earth. And I want him to know that I care about being here. I want him to know that I'm on time. I'm early. I'm ready. I'm alert. I'm prayerful. I'm not coming in here lazy. I'm not giving God lazy praise. I'm not yawning, looking around the building. My attention is turned upon him. I'm not repeating vain words or repetition. I am in here communicating with the most high God of heaven and earth. He's a God of details. He cares about it. He cares about it. Now, if some other preacher comes along and tells you different, they're wrong. I'm right. God cares about the sound. And God cares about the lights. God cares what the carpet looks like. He cares what the building looks like. He cares about it. Don't tell me God doesn't care. God built the first tabernacle. And God built the first temple. And when that temple was torn down seven years later, he commanded his people, get out of this captivity and go build my house again. God cares about it. And the reason that he did that is because it was pointing to Christ. And Christ was born to perfection. Everything about him was perfect. Everything about him was sinless. You can sit on me if you want to. I'm going to preach. Everything about him head to toe was exactly like it was supposed to be. His life was lived to perfection so that you and I can have the spirit that lived in him so that we can strike. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Don't you dare take your relationship with God for granted. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. Amen. I want to know what's going on in the spirit. I want to know. It's not just curiosity. It's details. I, I want to know. I, my dad, he was, he was one of the most peculiar men. Uh, he's more mature, peculiar than my bishop. I know you didn't think that's possible, but in a good way. In a good way. I don't mean that derogatory, disrespectful at all. Of course I don't. But... My dad was unique. Uh, he was strange to the common person. But when I was a kid, my dad, my dad would say, you, you feel that, son? Mm -mm. You don't feel that? Mm -mm. I'm seven. <laughs> you know? I mean, literally from the time I'm this tall. He, I feel something right here on the back of my head. Down, oh, now it's between my shoulder blades. And he'd just sit there and just feel after God. Be still, son. Be still. And I'm just sitting there. Still seven. That, I, I grew up with that. And just, we'd be eating dinner, and it just, there went dad. He's gone. 
He zoned out. And we're like looking and he's 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 over in another galaxy somewhere. Now he he was a great father and he was really funny and had a great sense of humor and loved to laugh and all that kind of stuff. And when that certain something showed up, he was locked in on it. Because he understood I have faith in God, but if I'm feeling God, that's God saying, hey, pay attention. Don't, don't ever just breeze right through that. I know you're there, God. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And God's going, hey, pay attention. God's detail. Sometimes certain angels, certain anointings, they move on you. They feel different because he's a God of details. It's personality. It's the characteristics of God. It doesn't feel the same all the time. You don't feel it on the same part of your person as you do all the time. But most people just go through life and they don't even pay attention to that. I felt the Holy Ghost right there. Okay, stop. Why did you feel the Holy Ghost? Hey, pay attention. I'm trying to show you something. Everything we do around here, none of it's about greater faith. It's about the greatest God. This is, it's not greater faith. It's, it's not main campus. It's not Louisville Central. It's not Hope Ministries. It's not, it's not Jeff Campus. It's about him and it's about the kingdom of God. So we have to care. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm getting ready to close. We have to care about everything. Why would you walk on this campus and walk past a piece of paper on the ground? Everything we do matters. And I mentioned this Sunday night. We are headed to another place. Now let me close with this. The children of Israel. They left Egypt, right? They're going through the wilderness. It should never have taken them 40 years. And I, and I get it. It was a faith problem at Kadesh Barnea. It was a faith problem. They were more concerned about the giants than the fruit. They had more faith in their opposition than their God. I get that. But the Lord could have just set them out in the wilderness and just let them spend the next 40 years in the same place. But he doesn't work like that. Even if he has to move you in circles, he's going to move you. And in that, in that journey, he's teaching you something. 
if you if you've seen the same mountain over and over and over, then ask him what you're supposed to learn about the terrain of that mountain. Why, why am I going around the same mountain and God's going? Because I'm trying to show you something and you won't pay attention. Look at it. What do you see? Well, I see rocks and dirt. No, look a little deeper. What kind of rock? How's it shaped? What does it look like to you? What's the colors in it? I want to know the details of what you see. Because if I'm leading you by this mountain, none of it's an accident. I'm trying to reveal some details about that and about you in this process. Am I making sense tonight? Please let everything in your life be on purpose. Please let it be on purpose. I, I feel such a presence of the Lord in here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I, I pray that you'd move upon every mind and upon every heart. I pray, Father, that, that you would give us eyes that we may see. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Help us, Lord, to connect with our five senses. Then help us to go deeper than that and help us to connect with the three aspects of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and let them all be submitted to you. But then, Lord, let us dive even deeper than that and let's connect in our spirit with faith, with faith as the bedrock. Faith that empowers the conscience and faith that empowers the intuition. Faith, conscience, and intuition. The three aspects of the Spirit. I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would blind us to the things that are distractions. And help us to see in the Spirit. Help us to walk in the Spirit. You said they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. And so, Lord, I, I pray for every member of this church, God, I pray that you would help us to realize every conversation, every discussion matters. Every time we come on this property, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. We're here to improve this place, to make it a better place, to be used of God. You're building an ark, Lord. You're building a tabernacle. You're taking us somewhere, Lord God. And if that future building that we all know of is to be ours, it's going to be because we passed the test of what we were supposed to do here. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, help us to realize that everything is about stewardship. We're managers of everything that you have given us. You're the owner. We're the managers. We're honored. We're thankful to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, help us. Would you lift your hands? And would you just thank God? Would you, would you let your voice ring out here tonight? And would you tell him, come on, I, I know you're a little laid back. But let your voice ring out right now, Father. I thank you, Lord, for pulling me out of the world, out of the, the dungeon of sin, out of the pit and the mire of iniquity that I was in. Would you pray with me right now? Would you, would you lift your voice to him right now? 
I thank you for pulling, pulling us out of the dung heap of the world. Thank you, oh God, for pulling us out of our pride and arrogance and our vanity into holiness and righteousness and humility. Oh, Father, we love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, and I pray that you would help us to pay attention, Lord, to the details. Pay attention, Lord God, to the moving of the Spirit. Help us to pay attention, Lord, how we lead in our respective areas of leadership. To pay attention to what this property looks like. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards of our lives, of our marriages, of our children, of our finances. Lord God, everything in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, come on, just, just 30 seconds more with lifted voice. Would you praise him right now for his greatness? Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. There is no knowledge that comes without you. There, You are eternal knowledge. You are eternal wisdom. Hallelujah. You're the discerner of all thoughts, all intents. You're the discerner of all spirits. Here tonight, Lord, let revelation come upon your people. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we magnify you in this place. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. We love you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Greet somebody, stay around in fellowship. It's only 847.